0: In April 2013, four days before the initial release of this book, my longtime client, Kobe Bryant, tore his Achilles tendon. It takes years of tireless dedication and unimaginable hard work to build a legacy like Kobe's. It takes a single instant to change everything. One minute you're finishing the regular season and preparing for the challenge of the playoffs, the next minute you're preparing for surgery and the challenge of rebuilding your body and your future. I'm not talking about the split second it takes to sustain a potential career-ending injury. I'm talking about the moment immediately after the unthinkable happens, when your instinctive reaction determines everything else that's about to happen. No one would have blamed Kobe for collapsing in pain and frustration. He could have allowed his teammates to carry him off the court to the predictably solemn applause that loyal fans give their fallen heroes. Instead, he went to the free throw line to finish his work. To me, the only question was whether he'd make one shot or two. Made them both. Then he walked to the locker room. That is relentless. For Kobe, there was no time to think or plan or decide. No time to wait for instructions or hesitate. There was only his instinctive drive to keep going, to stay strong, to never quit. Even with a devastating injury, he finished the free throws and began the next chapter of his career. That's what this book is about. You don't wait to be told. You don't waver from your goal. When it's time to act, you act, instinctively and without hesitation. As you will read in these pages, done, next. The word relentless is used in sports to describe the most intense competitors and achievers imaginable. Those who stop at nothing to get the end result. In sports, being relentless is measurable by victories and trophies and championships and rings. In real life, being relentless is a state of mind that can give you the strength to achieve, to survive, to overcome, to be strong when others are not. It means craving the end result so intensely that the work becomes irrelevant, not just in sports, but in everything you do. The ability to be relentless is in all of us. That passage is from a book called Relentless written by Tim Grover, who is a a, uh, a mental strength coach, a, a strength coach mm-hmm. that has spent a lot of time working with
1: professional athletes, namely one Kobe Bryant. Three, three, yeah, three in particular professional basketball players who have played at the top yeah. of the game, at the highest level of the game that any NBA player has ever played at. True. Michael Jordan. Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade yeah. and Kobe Bryant. And you said he's a mental strength coach. Most of this book is about mental training, mental mm-hmm. strength training, and uh, he's also a strength coach. But but uh, he he is a he is a strength coach who understands the mental aspect of it probably better than anyone that I've ever read. And in fact, Kobe Bryant says that Kobe wrote the he did he wrote, he wrote the, forward. the forward and in the forward he said Tim Grover knows more than anyone about the mental side of sports. And this book is the blueprint for discovering what you are capable of achieving, getting the results that you've never imagined, and reaching the highest level of success, and then going even higher than that. And that is, I know Kobe attributes a lot, you know, Kobe had had an incredible mindset before he ever met Tim Grover, and that's one of the things that attracted Grover to him. But Kobe attributes a lot of his success and his uh, getting to the next layer of his success to uh, Tim Grover, which is kind of what attracted me to this 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 book, seeing that he worked with not only Kobe. I wasn't a huge Kobe fan. I've learned a lot about Kobe here in the last couple of weeks. But Michael Jordan—that's the one I grew up with. Yeah, that's if somebody asks me who's the greatest basketball player that's ever played the game, my answer is always Michael Jordan. And the stories that Tim Grover tells in this book about Michael Jordan they go pretty deep Yeah, they, they do they, they get, I, they're pretty raw man. i'm just
0: thinking of one yeah, in particular they're talk i think it was before the draft and the bulls front office was thinking you know they're talking they're kind of going through who they're going to draft and they said yeah you know, you've got to pick michael and someone yeah. said well we, we we would but we need a center and the guy says play him at center <laughs>
1: yeah right right <laughs> you know? play him anywhere right yeah, and you know, and and there are story, there are stories like that about all three of these guys. Yeah, it's all you know? it's all through the book. And, and, you know, because speaking of the draft, I mean, one of the things he talks about, I don't know, if, I don't know if he talks about in this, in this book, or if it's just a story that I've heard recently because of the tragic death of Kobe Bryant. But on the day that Kobe Bryant was drafted, you know what, you know what he did? Yeah he went to the gym and started practicing, started working out instead of, instead of doing what every other athlete does after they get drafted. And that is to have a celebration party, you know, makes sense. That's in the book. Kobe went and worked out. Yeah. Had a training session, just, just a whole different level.
0: Mm -hmm. I think everyone focuses so much on success. You know, that moment of success, the, uh, the feel good experience and, uh, those really aren't what what gets you through life. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the it's the ability to function in the uncomfortable moment.
1: Hmm. Mark that word right there because we're we're going to talk about being uncomfortable a yeah. lot. Yeah, sure. And that that's because that that's it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. What you know. And, and to go back to the idea of success, I think another thing is everyone has a different definition for what success is. <laughs> and that's, and that sort of develops the, the, the framework for, for Grover's entire book because mm-hmm. he, he basically he, he explains how a certain type of person, Gets to the level of success that they are, and he he has a name for them. He calls them cleaners. Yeah, and we'll 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 have to define what that is here in just a minute. But the the name for the other two kinds of successful people are closer, cooler, cooler. A cooler cooler, cooler is first, and then a closer. Right. And so basically, the name of the title of the book is Relentless, um, going from good to great to unstoppable, or something like that. Is that is that is that the subtitle of it? From good to great to unstoppable. From good to great to unstoppable. So basically he says that a cooler is good, a closer is great, and then a cleaner is someone who is unstoppable. Right. And I think he he's using that to define how different people view success. So mm-hmm. so some people allow, you know, life circumstances to decide what they want and they say, Okay, this is good enough. This this is what this this is where I'm at. I'm going to be successful where I'm at. This is good enough for me. Satisfy satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and and if that's and if that's where some you know there are people in the world that are successful and that's where they're at. And he considers those people to be coolers. Yeah. You might be a cooler out there listening to us, right? Then there are some people who they they have answers. Yeah, and the and those suggestions are given, but when problems arrive one of the things i remember about talking about closers is that when a problem arrives they will sometimes focus too much on the problem and and even perhaps some at times make make excuses for mm-hmm. why they didn't succeed at the highest possible level but they they do they want to be the person that takes that takes the reins you know that takes the ball uh still but but they're still not quite at that other level and then you get to There's a, a line that they won't cross there's a line. Right? yeah yeah exactly <laughs> There's a line they won't cross. They they still have the desire. A closer still has a desire to make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. I guess you could oh, say. Yeah, yeah. You know they, they're a good leader and they and they and they'll take and will they'll recognized as leaders, but they perhaps maybe are the 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 people person type mm-hmm. of leader, and uh, then you get to the cleaner, which is who we're going to spend most of our time talking about today. A cleaner is is what Kobe Bryant was. It's what Michael Jordan. you know, was it and still is, but was at the top of his game. It's what Dwayne Wade was at the top of his game Mm -hmm. as well. The more I've learned about Dwayne Wade, didn't know him. I I don't follow the NBA, so I didn't know him hardly at all in terms of his successes and his mentality the way he played basketball. But reading that book um, was very, very enlightening. But a cleaner is called a cleaner in Tim Grover's mind because well just using the example of when something goes wrong rather than blaming whatever circumstance happened or whether them rather than blaming somebody else they take complete responsibility yeah so they're taking responsibility for if we're going to succeed it's going to be because I'm taking taking this thing over and we're going to and we're going to do it we're going to do it my way and I'm going to involve all of you but this is this is going to get done and it's going to get done well and when we succeed they don't necessarily take all the credit even though they might deserve it but they are the reason for a lot of the credit mm. and when they if they fail they will take credit for that yep and they're not afraid to admit it yeah
0: there's there's a couple of
1: colorful lines in the book about that too yeah, there is. there's a lot of colorful ones. In <laughs> fact, we recommend, we highly recommend the book. Oh, no, absolutely. But but if if you have a difficult time reading someone who's straightforward in your face, you know, who uses the f word, yeah, you know, things <laughs> yeah, like it's that quite a bit. Um, you know, then you may not appreciate the book. But but it if you can, you know, if you're if you if you I don't even I won't say if you're okay with it. I mean, it's okay. I, people don't like cursing. That's okay. But if you can look past that and get and get the point and get the lesson from it, which I think is important to do. Yeah. It's, it's do valuable to do. Uh, then, then it's, you, you will get a lot out of this book. You'll get a lot out of it.
0: Yeah. It's funny you, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, how do you define success? And I remembered uh, this happened a long time ago. I, being in high school, even I think is, is when this came up, maybe, maybe in a little earlier, but one of my, maybe it was an English class or something, you know, we, we, we were asked to de- to define success. What does success mean to you? And you know what? My answer was to that.
1: It's hard to tell.
0: (laughs) Success is being comfortable. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Because that's the opposite of what we're going to be talking about. That's exactly
0: the opposite. And it's not, you know, in preparation for this episode, you know, I went back and I, I was reading, uh, reading some, you know, different parts of the book and, and just picking up on things and, and, you know, well coach you know i there's some i've got some or my family has some things going on personally in our lives that we're dealing with right now that you know we'd rather not be dealing with but it, it just hit home with me that mm. uh success isn't comfort you know i was mm. completely wrong in my assessment of that success and
1: uh, we'll, we'll cut you some slack you're in seventh grade <laughs> i think
0: <it's laughs> seventh grade or high school or something <laughs> like that but uh just the framework that, that Tim Graver puts around the idea that, you know, you have to embrace a certain amount of uncomfort, uh, uncomfort, and a certain amount of hurt. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a successful individual, that hurt actually becomes a good thing. It it, it reminds you that you're, yeah. that you're alive for right. one. Right. And, uh, it kind of uh, propels you in your, in your, in your journey of striving forward to, to, to have a better life and, and, yeah. and to live a better life and to be a better person. And, you know, there are some people that are successful that are, are uh, you know, coolers and closers, but mm-hmm. the people that you read about in history books and the people that you read about in sports almanacs and things like that are people that have this, you know, nonstop Mentality of nothing is going to keep mm-hmm. me from reaching my goal. Nothing's yeah. going to keep me from from being the best that I can be. Those are the people that mm-hmm. we, you know, that we that we read and,
1: about and take it down to the smallest the smallest variable, you know, because it's you know for those listening right now, they might already have decided. Well, that's just not me. You know, I'm not going to ever be a what you'd consider to be a, a cleaner. You yeah, know, I'm not going to have that mentality. I'm not going to. Maybe I won't be. Th- written about in history books, but you know, how can you, if you, if you treat like if there's some kind of something inside of you and, you know, and let, I encourage you, like if you're an adult and you've got a kid that's playing sports, by all means, have them listen to this episode. We have a lot more to say, but we're going to talk a lot of what we're talking about today is people who really want to be great at something. If, or, or just want to be successful in something. If you're if you've made a commitment to do something and you you want to keep that commitment, you want to be successful at it. How do you do it? Mm. And what it comes down to is what you're talking about right now, and and that is uh, becoming comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yes. So so Good I would word. go back to your I would go back to your you know seventh grade eighth grade whatever I it was, was right, early yeah. high school answer and say it was right as long as you finished that statement being comfortable being uncomfortable. That's a great word. Because that, that's, that is literally what it takes. Discomfort is what causes growth. I mean, let's take it to strength training, for example, strength training, what causes muscle growth? If, if you are just starting out today and you're lifting five pound dumbbells, then, and you've never lifted five pound dumbbells, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but you're going to grow. Yeah. But if, if three weeks from now, you're still lifting five pound dumbbells. And you've never progressed beyond that. Those five pound dumbbells have gotten pretty comfortable. They've got they become a routine. And you're for You're not you. sore afterwards. And you, yeah. There's no there's so there's no growth. There's no longer any growth taking place. You're basically doing the same thing over and over again. And therefore, what happens is what what is the whole point of growing? It's changing. We mm-hmm. want something to change. We want to be. We, you know if we're going to get better, we have to change. Well, if doing the same thing over and over again. Does not create any change. I mean, that's by definition, it's not creating change because it's it's literally the same. It's then what happens is it's going to stay the same. And so one of the things that Grover hits on a lot in this book is every single day of your life, you have to do something that you don't want to do. You've got to, you've got to make a decision every day, challenge yourself to be uncomfortable push past every it's so easy to be apathetic it's so easy to be lazy it's so easy to choose fear of the unknown and therefore we just do the same thing every day yep we just fall into the same routines every single day and everyone has so when we're talking about being a cleaner and whether or not you can you can be that person that unstoppable person the truth is every single person has the ability to do that Yes. It Every single what person your has the ability is. to yes. do something that you don't want to do yep. that's going to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. The, the thing is, we just don't do it. That's the difference between someone who is, who is great and someone who's not. That's the difference between athletes. Listen, students, student athletes, if you want to get lost in the shuffle, just keep doing the same thing that you're doing right now the difference between you and those who are who are elevating themselves to another layer of their game finding another other layers other gears in their game is that they're pushing past discomfort hmm. they're pushing past it and they're saying i know it's uncomfortable i know it's not easy to Eat differently, mm-hmm. to eat better. It's not easy to, you know, I, I, I have to push our girls in the weight room every Monday, Wednesday, Friday to add a little bit of weight. They're, I mean, they've gotten to that point, you know, weeks ago where it's so hard, right? <laughs> it's so difficult to add weight and continue to keep good form. And I have to remind them yeah, I know it's hard, I know it's scary. That's one of the reasons why they don't want to. It's you know, one is it's hard. It's not necessarily they don't want to do it. I think they get scared. Well, if I can't lift it, what's gonna happen? Mm. Well, we're here, we're spotting you, we're gonna help you, or drop it. We're okay, you're not gonna hurt anything. Drop the weight. You know, I mean, literally drop it on the floor if you can't lift it. Things like that, you know. But I think fear is what keeps a lot of us also from going to the uncomfortable parts of life as well. Sure.
0: Grover talks a lot about you know you, you said before that people kind of make a decision not to be that that cleaner, and mm-hmm. you know I think a lot of people would think you know they would they would look at their life and say you know well I'm I'm just this mm-hmm. you know but Grover uses a lot of different examples in the way people can rise above their their level of uh, of execution and be something better. You know he talks about teachers doing, it. he talks about mm-hmm. administrative oh, assistants goodness. doing. It. He you talks talk about, about people who get into ruts. Oh teachers? yeah, no doubt, right? I mean, yeah. I, you,
1: you hear young teachers, you, you oh. hear advice given young teachers avoid the teachers' lounge, right? Well, why? <laughs> Have you ever heard that? No, no. Yeah, it, 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 well, because everyone's in
0: there negative. Yeah. They're just oh, I'm tired.
1: Yeah, it's it's the place to I, go and just let your hair down, you know, just let it out, yeah, right? Yeah. But you're frustrated with the kids. <laughs> you're frustrated with the administration. You're frustrated, and you and and what happens is the teachers' lounge becomes a place to complain. It becomes a place to go and 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 to complain, to blame, to make excuses, to do yeah. all the things that we don't want our kids doing, but we do it. And so it, it's a and it's listen. It's not just teachers. I mean, it happens in every profession. The break room, you know, whatever it is, it happens to everyone. We get into ruts, and work becomes hard. It becomes mundane. Things that happen that we don't like, and we, instead of attacking it with positivity yeah. and attacking it and finding solutions, it's so much easier. To go and moan about it. And that's
0: the difference between a cleaner because a cleaner thinks about, you know, w- it, when when challenging things come, and I know this firsthand, <laughs> when when things come up in our lives that hurt us mm-hmm. and, and disappoint us and, you know, give us heartache, we're, we're, we're making those excuses and we're saying those negative things to ourselves, even if we're not, you know, saying them to other people. And that that, yeah. that holds us down. A cleaner recognizes those things and feeds off of them. Oh, and yeah. And says, hey, I'm, I'm not in a great position right now but i'm going to fight through this tim graver uses an example about tiger woods i know some people love tiger woods some people not so much but after tiger went through his uh back mm-hmm. condition and he you know, had surgery and all that one of the one of the lines that tim said is which i'm not gonna i'm, I'm paraphrasing here uh you know it, from, from tiger's mentality i've been through all of this and you're still not able to beat me mm-hmm. you're in you're in deep trouble yeah you know I yeah. think that was a great line. That's a, you know, that's a that's a platform that people can use. You know, the more that you undergo in life, the more that you suffer through. Yeah, the more that you endure, and that, you know, that's a biblical principle too. Absolutely, you know, you know, the the better you are,
1: and it's basically you recognizing that you have control over your life. Yeah, you know, that's actually yeah. one of the main points that he brings up in in and yeah, uh, you know, all of the. I think there's what thirteen is there thirteen different chapters. Yes, in all thirteen chapters, he calls them thirteen, the relentless thirteen, right? The thirteen attributes of those who are relentless. And in fact, I think every chapter is labeled one, because it's none none are more equal, none are you know are more important than the others. They're all just as important. And really, the first one that I that comes to my mind, I don't have the book in front of me, and I actually don't even have a copy of the book. I bought it for my son two years (laughs) ago for Christmas, and Brock Brock has read it, I think, twice. I've listened to it once and read it once, and I'm actually going to buy myself a copy of it as well because it's there are not very many books that I go back to, but this book has influenced my thinking in leading people and in in leading myself. If I, One, if I'm going to be the type of leader that I need to be for other people, whether it's student athletes or just students in general or other adults or in whatever facet of life that I'm I'm in leadership, then I have to make sure that That I'm living it, that I'm doing it as well. And man, sometimes, and this may you know, someone else may read this book and be like, I don't, I don't get what you guys get out of it. But some of it pumps me up. Yeah, me too. There, you know, not many, not many things do that for me. You know, like there are movies that I go back to. I don't. I'm not a big movie person, so I don't. I don't watch a lot of movies. But there are, and especially if I've watched a movie once, I. Care less about ever seeing it again. That's why I've never bought a DVD or anything like that. You know, I've had them given to me as gifts, but I don't having desire to go watch them again. But there are some that I will always watch it again. You see it on TV, The Rockies yeah, when the yeah. Rockies come on. I watched Rocky Four before every single game from 14U through 16U. I think it was like my. And you know what's funny? My son does. He likes Rocky Four as well. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, my, yeah. My, my nine-year-old,
0: I think it was Thanksgiving break or Christmas break, we were watching the, the, all the Rocky. Oh yeah, movies they and, they played
1: them. You know. Yeah, we saw them. But, but there, you know, that's I guess I I got on a tangent there. It's been powerful, and mm-hmm. one of the one of the powerful things that it draws out is a cleaner, a relentless person takes control of their lives. Mm -hmm. They know that they can, and so they do. Whatever they want to have happen in their life, they take full responsibility for making it happen. That's what it comes down to. If you... I I almost said if you can't do that, that's bull crap. That's letting people off too easy. If you choose not to do that, because you can do it. I don't care what you've got going on. That's the premise of the book. Exactly. If you choose to decide i'm not going to take control of my life. You know, then, then that you're responsible. You are responsible for whatever failure you you end up with. Right. Then. With whatever kind of life you end up with then. That's that and that's the difference. That's what that's the premise of the book. If you want to be this, then you take control. You recognize you're in control and you, and ultimately you make it happen. Yes. Period. Definitely. That's, yeah. You're yeah. responsible. You are responsible when it's good, you're responsible when it's bad. Yeah, be responsible.
0: We're talking about Kobe, and obviously, everybody knows now that that knows anything about you know professional sports. That you know Kobe passed away there a couple weeks ago, and um, with with eight other people, you know. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, one of the things that I heard was people on Twitter saying you know I can't fathom how Kobe felt in that moment when the when the helicopter was going down Mm. and they you know they out of sympathy they said you know couldn't you know he's probably scared couldn't protect his daughter and you know I feel like if you read this book and you get some perspective on Tim Grover and you get some perspective on on Kobe's mentality I think you're painted a pretty good picture of the way that uh, that those final moments played out, and I don't think I think Kobe was in control. I really do, just based on, on
1: he, he control. He was able to control what he he would control. He could absolutely, control. Yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh, you know, the the takeaway from that there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you can you can get you know from from that story and 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 what happened, the tragedy surrounding it, but there's important things in life and there's things that we make a lot more important than what they are. Mm. And we kind of make those excuses, you know, we use them as as reasons that we mm-hmm. can't be uh, the people that, yeah. you know, that we want to be, or that we, you know, we can't make the decision to to take control of our life, like you said. So uh, uh, that's, that's one of the things that I hope, you know, people can take away from, from that story and, uh, and knowing you know how Kobe Bryant approached not just life because he wasn't just a basketball player he was a coach and he was a dad and he was a husband mm-hmm. you know
1: and we recognize that he wasn't always a wasn't always a perfect person
0: absolutely yeah, he, and, he, and neither he am I recognize <laughs> that later in life <laughs> yeah. as well yeah um, yeah and th- those are just ex- those are just more uh, more challenges, right? Those are just more mm-hmm. excuses. You know, we're all gonna we're all gonna fall in those times where we we make mistakes and and fail and, uh, yeah. But if you're a cleaner, you don't let those things keep you from moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's a great it's a great perspective, it's a great outlook. You feed you feed off the uncomfort. Yeah, you know the the uncomfortable
1: situation, well, and you're not. The more you do that, the more you feed off the the discomfort. The more you—it's a positive, yeah—and the more you have got, have gotten used to, like it's normal, it's regular everyday life for you to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. The more opportunities it gives you to actually be extremely meaningful in the world, right? I don't know if you saw the story. Was it a week or so? No, it was it was during the holidays, I believe. Um, there was it was raining, it was a rainstorm, and there was a bad car accident. Yeah. And it wasn't wasn't long before Kobe's own accident, you know, before the the devastating mm-hmm. you know, tragedy of, of of the the death of those nine people in the helicopter. There was a car accident that Kobe was witness to, and bystanders said without hesitation he yeah. jumped to action. You know, how often have I driven by a, a car accident and gotten really nervous? Mm-hmm. You know, what do I do? You know, how you know? Can I even? Is there anything I can do? Can I help in any way? Kobe's not a doctor. He, you know, he couldn't help those people. I mean, he couldn't. I, I, maybe, maybe he... Who knows? Maybe he studied a lot of medical, you know. <laughs> well, right. but, but, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but he knew he could do something. Yeah. He knew he could comfort people. He knew... And, and there was well, and he no, didn't, no hesitation. No hesitation. He didn't think about it. Right. He acted. Because the, because discomfort wasn't a big deal.
0: Right. It's not a big it, deal. It wasn't enough to keep him from trying to, to, to try and be meaning, meaningful.
1: And, That's the idea of done next. W- yes. Right. When discomfort comes... Because it's not that big of a deal, it makes it a lot easier for you to have a really significant and positive impact in the world where someone is in need of an impact being made in their life. And if that if that's truly what you want, and it's and I think that that kind of a moment speaks to his legacy as much as going to the line yes. and shooting with an Achilles a torn Achilles. Yes, you know I those agree. kinds of things. Right. I want to. I there's one thing that I, I read some quotes from the book, and I wrote them down before we came in here today. And there's one quote that I want to touch on because there's something about it that just makes me pause and think. There's something really powerful about this, and it was it was under a section where Grover is talking about. You know, cleaners just don't make excuses. They're just, there are just no excuses. If you are a person that makes a lot of excuses, that you, you are not going to reach the level, the highest level that you can reach if you're an excuse maker. If you make excuses for yourself or for others or for your business or for your organization or for your team, there is just no possible way to reach the highest level. And so he's talking about that and he says, you know, here if you want to know the true sign of a of a cleaner, he says he feels no pressure when he screws up and has no problem admitting when he's wrong and shouldering the blame. When a cooler makes a mistake, he'll give you some excuses but no solutions. When a closer makes a mistake, he finds someone else to blame. When a cleaner makes a mistake, he can look you in the eye and say, "I screwed up." Yeah. And there's just no hesitation. Is that was that the text? It wasn't exactly what it said. Yeah. Again, again, I just, yeah, he's not afraid to, to use I read that too. Colorful language. Yeah. But you know, the part that stuck out to me this time when I read it, this is the line that stuck out to me. He feels no pressure when he screws up. Yeah. What do you see? For example, go to the baseball diamond or the softball diamond. And when a kid screws up, what do you see happen to them? Like, in, in a moment in an instant and then sometimes it's hard if it's if it happens in an instant and they realize it or they're able to shake it and go out that's a, that's a level of success. I mean that's that's a good that's mental success that's good sure but sometimes they can't shake it and yeah. so they take they take their bat to the field with them or they take you know the bad play influences the next play and then the next play and, and it just kind of stacks and builds and what you're seeing is like it speeds things up. It, you know when, when they make mistakes, They get that the heart starts pounding heavier. They get that adrenaline because they're ticked. They're mad about the mistake, and it starts speeding things up. The line that really got me was, "He feels no pressure Mm -hmm. when he screws up." And you you would think that would be the opposite for a person of this mentality because it's like they hate losing. Right? They hate failing. But what they've learned, and we, I've learned a lot about in reading about Michael Jordan, some of the quotes that he's made about how many times he failed, and how he learned how to use failure to become more successful. But that there's a secret in there, there's a gem in there somewhere. We've got to all find that and understand that that when you fail, they were. I, I picture I picture this. I picture a person who is at that level being able to fail, and you can't even tell. Oh, they're they're probably burning up inside. Because they hate losing and they hate failure, but they stay cool mm-hmm. they stay they stay, they are cool under pressure they don't allow they don't allow that failure to speed things up yeah they stay under control they stay in control, in control. right yeah. Yeah. good
0: word there yeah yeah you see those you see those types of 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 people and 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 you know I think it's easier to to translate into sports because that's that's where we're able to see people. Um, mm-hmm. in the most challenging situations and you know uh, the most often you know you, yes. you're not everybody you walk by on the street you're not seeing them in a challenge they may be mm-hmm. going through a challenging time but you wouldn't know it right right, right. so uh, that's why you know sports is it imitates life so much for us because we see those challenges we see those failures mm-hmm. we see the successes too and you see those types of players that you know they just they seem unfazed by anything by any moment, and you know, even when even when they fail, even when they lose, and you know, obviously a lot of people know the the stat, and I don't know it offhand, but Michael Jordan missed more game winning shots than he mm-hmm. made. You know, that kind of leads into that that mentality of it didn't bother him.
1: Yeah, a person who is concerned about what others think of them would probably stop taking those shots. Oh yeah, good point. All right, you know because. Well, I'm, I'm missing a lot of these, and right. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass it up. He just never, he yeah. he wanted the ball. In fact, there was some there was something said in that book, if I remember right, about Michael Jordan. You know, one of the things we know about Michael Jordan is he was one of the best trash talkers on the floor right. of, of of anyone. Yeah, and I think Grover said that the you know people assume that when you're a trash talker, you are doing it because you're cocky and you're putting the focus on somebody else. He said, maybe that's the way it is for a lot of people, but for Jordan, the way he trash talked to people, put more, you know, basically put more responsibility on himself to back it up because he would say to someone, you are going to be worn out from what I'm about to do to you right now, tonight on this floor. And then, so when you make that kind of a claim, if you say something like that to somebody, you, and you don't back it up then yeah. then you have i mean you're you've silenced yourself. Right. A, and he he would say something like that just to put that kind of pressure on himself. Yeah, to step up his game and do it. Yeah, and I think most people would say, well, yeah, but what if you're wrong? When you
0: say things? you know, when you're trash talking like mm-hmm. that, but that's the difference in mentality because when you know, when a person like Michael Jordan says, I'm going to put 50 on you.
1: Mhm. Yeah, he
0: believes in his in every in his whole bing that he's gonna score fifty points on you. He
1: believes it. Nothing's gonna keep him from doing it. We and we all we've all seen those games. Yeah, I mean, you've we've seen it in basketball with Jordan and Bryant, and and you know, I would say LeBron James to some extent as well. Yeah. You know, I, I know Grover has some opinions about James. He does <laughs> well, not believe he's a cleaner. You know,
0: well, has has he,
1: has he changed?
0: Has he? Well, I don't think so. But, uh, to a point for Dwayne Wade when oh when, yeah when LeBron yeah. and and Bosh went to Miami. That was still Dwayne Wade's team. Yes, it was. It was still his it team. was.
1: And really, I mean, you could tell because of the mentality, right? Not necessarily. LeBron blew him away in talent. Yeah, yeah. You know, and skill, but that mentality. You're right. It was Dwayne Wade's team, and that's and that's what we're talking about. That's there's a different mentality among the greatest. You know, among among those who you would say that's his team. Right. Tom Brady is yeah. an absolute cleaner. Yeah. He I is. mean, and we've seen Tom Brady takeover games mm-hmm. and 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 you wonder how do you keep allowing how can this guy just keep winning how can he keep doing what he's doing he's had different mentality yeah. That, yeah
0: and you know it's that mentality doesn't it doesn't just show up on you know during the game on the on the playing yes. field on the court yes. it's it's a mentality that they carry with them every day and you know specifically in their in their approach to training and, yeah. and you know strength training and skill work and things like that and you know you mentioned Kobe going after the draft to, Mm -hmm. to shoot shots. He also would shoot like 500 shots before practice and 500 shots after practice, you know? So he, he would still do those things too. And,
1: uh, yeah. And he even had, there were, there were stories I read about him where he would not allow someone to stay at the gym longer than him. Like if somebody came along and they had that same kind of work ethic and, even if he was dirt tired and and ready to ready to be done he took his 800 shots or whatever if that dude was still there Kobe would stay he wouldn't he would not he would he would not be the last person to leave yeah. you know, or the, he didn't, <laughs> he wouldn't let somebody else be the last person to leave he was right. he was going to be that guy and you know i think that's uh when we ask ourselves the question how does that person do that again and again and again how does it, you know how does tom brady do it how does how does Kobe Bryant do it? How does Michael Jordan? How did Michael Jordan do it? How does How does Joe Burrow do it? Yeah, there's another up and coming cleaner, probably. Yeah, Joe
0: Joe definitely comes to mind as you reading yeah. read yeah. some of these
1: things. You know, and people when we ask that question, it's almost like we want to know the secret. What's Tom Brady's secret? Well, he's never eaten a tomato. Maybe that's (laughs) you know he gets nine and a quarter hours of sleep every day. Sleeps in one of of those chambers. Yeah, and we and we look for things like that, right? And that's what that's what the whole diet industry is built upon is the secret we know to to, the secret to losing weight quickly. The secret, Mm -hmm. you know, the fitness there's a lot of fitness stuff out there too. What's the secret to to making gains quicker and things like that? And one of the things I love about Grover is just he flat out comes out and says, "Listen, there is no secret. There's no trick." If that's what you're looking for, you're reading the wrong book because that's not that's not it's not what I'm going to tell you. What I'm going to tell you is, here's what it takes. Do the work. Yes. You got to do the work. That's what it is. Whether you're you know, whether you're an athlete or whether you're a, you know, a lead, you know, working a business or whether you're driving a truck or whether you're going to school, whatever it is, it, the answer is simple and it's the problem is people just don't want to hear it. Yeah. And the answer is you have to act upon it you have got to do the work there is no magic pill there is no secret to anything believe it or not they just they're, and it's that's the way it is for kids that want to be recruited to play in college there's no magic you just got to do the work you got to do the work, and we've talked about what a lot of that work is in a lot of our podcast episodes. We've talked about a lot, of, you know, especially early on when we were talking sports-specific stuff, you know, baseball and softball-specific stuff when it comes to recruiting and things like that. And people, we cannot emphasize it enough. There just are not any shortcuts. Yeah. There just are not any shortcuts. Yeah. It's every single day, a little bit at the time, a little bit at a time, consistently, routinely. Doing the work that's required to reach the goals that you have.
0: Yeah, and do the work. That was a that was a title of one of your chapters. And was it building champions or was it?
1: It was that was in the, coaching, coaching life. Coaching life. The, yeah. The book. Yeah. And it's, of course, it's just like anything. It, it's not an original. I've seen heard well, seen and heard people say do the work for years. Sure, you know, and sure. I, and and uh, but but it, it the whole point of that chapter was basically saying what I just said there I, yeah. because I, I I too have a lot of passion about that. I get tired of of, of the, just looking for the magic, you know, yeah. looking for, just looking for it to happen magically. It's
0: yeah. Or, or, you know, something that that keeps us from doing the work are those, you know, those challenges that, that come in our life and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, yes, those uncomfortable moments mm-hmm. or, you know, uncomfortable uh, situations. That, that appear as roadblocks. Perhaps. Yeah. And, you know, you, kind of start feeling sorry for yourself a little Mm -hmm. bit and you you get maybe into a a survival mode, so to speak. But I think that's, you know, one of the gems of the book that that, that Tim wrote, that if you are able to embrace those uncomfortable moments, that's going to get you further than anything. Yes.
1: You know, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about, because that's a good point, Pat. I mean, you know, we can come down hard on people and say, you're just not doing the work. But then there, there may be people out there who have experienced what we, we'd consider to be a roadblock, yeah. which is not in your control. Right. It's something that has happened to you. It's something that is, that it's a circumstance that you have found yourself in that you cannot control. What do you do? Well, yeah. what, can, you know, what can you do in that moment? And I think that we can actually do a lot more than we realize in those moments. And we, I'm going to say a word here that, that, you know, if you can visualize this, it's a word that's used a lot in these kinds of dialogues, and that is pivot. Mm. Just, because something, just because something came up in front of you as you're moving forward and life is good and you feel like things are going well, and boom! Someone set a roadblock in front of you. Something dropped in front of you. The the road just gave way underneath you, and you have you you cannot you cannot keep going forward because it's out of your control. What then do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, take your foot, pivot, and find another direction. There's got to be another way to get there. It may not be the, It may it may be longer. That it's not as long. It's not as short as what you know. But again, there is no shortcut anyway. Right. So just because it's going to be a little bit longer of a walk, you're still going to find a way to get there. Every time we come into a roadblock, if I'm not, listen, if I'm going to the beach, <laughs> and I'm and I'm on the road to the beach, and they say road closed, I'm not turning around and going home. Right. I'm not stopping and I sitting. Might, I might try in to talk my family into that. You don't like the beach. I, I just not Jeez don't Louise, it, yeah. you don't like Christmas. You don't like the beach. What is wrong not with you? I to have to culture you a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I know where one of our trips needs to be for our, our uh, Copperheads team, South Carolina, the beach, baby. Yeah. No, my wife's going there this weekend. Brock opens up this weekend. Is she going? there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, by the time this podcast airs, it'll be over. We'll have to talk about next week when we record the, how the uh, his Good first deal. weekend came. Absolutely, yeah. going to Coker, uh, South Carolina, to play, which yep. is Florence, basically. So, but anyway, you know, I, I tell you, if I if the roadblock if a roadblock comes in our way, we're still going to the beach. We're finding yeah. a way. Even if it means we got to take some back roads, we got to go over bumps and we got to go in 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 potholes and if we get a flat tire and another roadblock comes up, like we get a flat tire or our car breaks down, we're going to take it to the shop. We're going to find ways. And yeah, it's all inconveniences, isn't it? Yeah. Those are incredible inconveniences, but I am going to reach my goal somehow. I'm right. going to get there, yep. and nothing's going to stop me. That's what it means to be unstoppable. Pivot. Find another way. And I, it's kind of cliche,
0: but in, you know, in that example of, of having all those roadblocks and all those excuses not to go to the beach there, once you make it to the beach and you're laying there on the beach under the sun, you're going to appreciate it a little bit more. Oh, heck yeah. And not only that, but the next time you're going somewhere. It's going to be a lot some, more relaxing. It, it is going to be a lot more relaxing. But the next time that you're driving somewhere, you're traveling somewhere, and you run into more roadblocks, you're gonna be more confident yep. that you're
1: gonna find your way to your destination. No panic. We've been here before. Right. Right. So, man, let's take that back to the ball diamond again. Let's take it back to the field or the court or whatever it is that you do as a coach, as a player. Let's create some uncomfortable moments for our kids. Good point. Yeah, Instead right. Instead of making practice, again, let's go back to practice. Instead of making our training easy and comfortable, Make it as uncomfortable as you can. Put them in some uncomfortable scenarios. Make them have to solve problems. Make them have to fig, you know to figure things out on their own. Because then, when they get when it actually happens during the times when it counts, they'll be able to go, oh, we we know how to handle this. Right. Skip Bertman told a story to one of his LSU teams years ago on in, in a video that a documentary video that was done on him called. Um, the road to excellence or something like that. Or I I, I can't remember but it's hard to find. I got it on VHS and you can't find it anymore. If you look it up on amazon.com, you'll see like $60,000, you know, (laughs) it's weird. You sometimes you look up things that are out of print and and they got these weird astronomical prices on them. But I remember one moment in that documentary where he's standing out in the outfield in Omaha for the college world series and he's talking to his team before the game, and he's given a pregame speech. And one of the things that Skip Bertman always did was he told stories. He loved telling stories, and he stood out there, and I was just glued onto this story. I'm watching it through the TV, and he's telling them. He says the guy's specific name. You know, he's a Navy uh, Navy fighter pilot, and he's on this particular you know flight in this particular war, going on this particular mission. And he says that when he's up there. And they're on, and they go to the mission. There is zero. There is just no wavering. There is no nerves. There's he is just basically doing his job. And the reason he's able to do his job is because not because he's done it before. This was the first time he'd ever actually had to go and fight on in the plane, but because of hours and hours and hours of going through the simulator, of practicing mm. and having to and having to simulate what he was about to experience for real it created in him a confidence to know that nothing is going to happen right now that i can't handle. Right. Nothing. I hear SEAL teams talking about that when they train. You know, Jocko talks about that a lot in his, in his training. He says he makes their training and their, you know, their uh, simulations so much harder than what they're actually going to experience on the battle that his that he's actually had SEALs tell him war was actually easy. Mm. Compa- Imagine wow. that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, because they were never surprised they thought of everything possible to put them through and he said listen these guys cuss us out they hate it but but when they get over there and they experience it and they know they can respond without hesitation without fear with confidence and they can they can secure the mission they come back and they say thank you mm. thank you for making practice so hard i'm telling you there's just no I mean, the, the reason why games are hard is because our practices are way too easy yeah and the reason why everyday life It seems hard for us everyday life, job problems, family problems, just issues that come up. The reason why they seem hard and stressful is because everything else, we we, we just, we embrace the easy life. Yeah. That's what we want. We want the comfortable life. We think success equals comfort. comfort. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Seventh grade Pat colliding with 35 years old Pat.
0: Wow. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate that. Yeah. 30, Thirty-nine in a couple 30, of days. Sweet. Your yeah. birthday's in a couple of days. February ninth. We're going to out to eat. Well, I don't know. We're gonna to... I'm gonna drop something on you that may shock you. All right. I can't stand birthdays.
1: Actually, you know what? <laughs> I'm with you there. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it's not that I can't stand them. We just never really make them special. Yeah. They're not they're not they're not that big of a deal in our family. I mean, when I say our family, I mean like my nuclear family that i that i've created you know my wife and my sure and it, and my kids probably want them to be more special than they are but we just have we've never we've never done that with birthdays. i'm not saying anything about people who do i mean no, it's, no, just, no. it's just one of those things that yeah yeah it's never been that big of a deal we will you know, we'll acknowledge it and send a card or you know in, and uh get a gift or two but maybe go out to eat but especially for between april and i we don't do anything well, for each no, other. Neither me yeah. yeah, and Cassidy. And the older our kids long, get, the less we do for them too. That's, all, <laughs> so, that's, that's long yeah. gone now. Yeah. After yeah. A while. People get mad at me for forgetting birthdays and things like that, and I just like, sorry. Birthday's is just not that big of a deal to me sorry yeah I sorry yeah. Yeah. yeah you just you got older great what do you, you accomplish you, your birthday you're gonna hate that you're in about one 10 year years exactly <laughs> exactly and <laughs> nah, that's yeah that's way to really go idea. you yeah. you you lived uh, yeah, you got a little bit older so well we not,
0: have our uh, we have so many other stinking holidays that are commercialized <laughs> case. you know what i'm talking about it just takes <laughs> one it, it coming takes,
1: i don't like valentine's day either neither how do about I. that
0: yeah i don't we're we're our wives probably aren't going to be very happy with this. Actually, stuff.
1: April doesn't like Valentine's Day. Does, does she not? Chassis
0: does. Chastity hates flowers. Yeah. They die. You know, yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, I'll get her flowers. She'll say, oh, you know, I really
1: appreciate that.
0: And it's just like, you can, you can tell. It's just. Why'd you do they're this? They're just you in the way money. at that
1: point. <laughs> now I got to water. You just gave me, thanks for giving me more work, Pat. You just got to water these things. I got to keep them alive. And- yeah. yeah.
0: So we we've talked a lot about tim grover in his book relentless today and and you know tim will say he doesn't have the he's not going to give you the answer he's going to give you the uh the, the framework for mm-hmm. for what it takes to be successful in life and i think we can sum up uh what we talked about today with the, with a little excerpt here from the book interesting how the guy with the most talent and success spent more time working out than anyone else Kobe is the same. He's insatiable in his desire to work. Some days we'll go back to the gym twice a day and once more at night, trying different things, working on certain issues, always looking for the extra edge. At his level of excellence, there's no room for error and no one, no one in the game today works harder or invests more in his body and surrounds himself with the right people to keep it in peak condition. But it's still not easy, and Kobe makes that decision every day to do the work. Again, the most talented guy working harder than anyone else. It's a choice. Mm. Each of Kobe's workouts takes around 90 minutes, and a half hour of that is spent just working on his wrists, fingers, and ankles, all the details. That's how the best get better. They sweat the details. In every workout, at some point, he'll glare at me and ask, what we got left? Because let's face it, the work is hard and tedious, and sometimes that hoop looks as if it's a 1,000 feet in the air, and you're trying to reach it with wearing lead boots but he does the work because if he can't put that ball in the hoop, everything else goes away. That's a choice. It all comes back to this. No matter what you do in life, are you willing to make the decision to succeed? Are you going to stand by that decision or quit when it gets hard? Will you choose to keep working when everyone else tells you to quit? Pain comes in all sorts of disguises, physical, mental, emotional. Do you need to be pain free? Or can you push past it and stand by your commitment and decision to go further? It's your choice. The
1: outcome is on you. The best players are not working harder because they're successful. Yeah. They're successful because they work harder than everybody else. Yeah. That's, I mean, it, there's no coincidence about yeah. it. That is the reason they are there. That's exactly what you just read. If you want to be energized, go pick up a copy of Relentless
0: by Tim Grover. It's good stuff. Yep. Highly recommend it. Thanks for joining us on the Coaching Life Podcast, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week.